0: Time now for
1: Rocky Jordan. Not far from the mosque Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Café Tambourine run by Rocky Jordan cafe tambourine crowded with forgotten men alive with the babble of many languages for this is Cairo where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against the backdrop of antiquity tonight's story the coward of muta khan
2: I get all kinds of customers in the tambourine. Sailors on leave and salesmen on the prowl. Guide tours looking for atmosphere and girls with atmosphere looking for guide tours. A lot of Egyptians turned European and now and then a European turned native. No matter who they are or where they come from, they're all looking for a drink. And that's why I never expect to see a Muslim in the tambourine. They don't drink and they don't plan on making a lot of conversation with anybody who does. So it's no wonder I raised an eyebrow the other night when I spotted one making his way through the crowd. A little dark haired man in a red burnous. But he wasn't looking for whiskey, he was looking for me.
3: Ah, you are the offended Jordan. I was told you could be found here. My name is Rinchi Abel from the house of the Sheikh Ali Ben Lekirk.
2: Oh, yes, I've heard of him, Rinchi.
3: The Sheikh begs you attend him immediately, without delay.
2: Sheikh Ali Ben Lekirk wants to see me? Yes. <laughs> oh, no. You must be mistaken. There is no mistake, Effendi, please. Allow me to escort you to his home. What's it all about?
3: A matter of most grave import. I beg you, accompany me now.
1: And I did. If I didn't have any other reason, I once... ...phone call to Mr. Steele at Eastern Trust in Hartford.
4: Using the name Bradley, huh? Yeah,
1: it's probably just a phony. No record of a marriage in New York City to anyone that name. I looked.
4: What's wrong with her, anyhow? I don't know. Well, you better get out to the coast and find
1: out. Item 12, $38, hotel, board, and miscellaneous while in New York City. Item 13, $258.60, New York to Santa Barbara. A little town by the Pacific that impressed me is not caring one thing about the rest of the world. Sun, sea, a pleasantly crowded harbor, some sprawling hotels, two lush green golf courses, and acres and acres of smug, expensive homes. At the police station, a Sergeant Martin was out, so I went over to the harbor Inn to meet the latest victim of Lorraine Broderick's talents, a hotel operator named Harrington. Tall, gray-haired, slack, sports shirt, suntan and sandals. I, uh, I
4: suppose I'm avoiding this business and your questions because I still feel quite chagrined about this whole thing. Pretty understandable, Mr. Harrington. On the face of it, you'd think I'd been in the hotel business 30 seconds instead of 30 years way she took me.
1: Well, if it's any comfort, she's done the same thing in several cities and as many hotels. <sighs> no comfort, thank you. She was that good, huh? Brother, she was the best. She pranced
4: in here as big as life, probably didn't have a nickel in the purse. What's more, for the whole four days she was here, she didn't break stride once. Only the best of everything.
1: Uh-huh. Let's see, she, uh, she gave you a check for $813, is that right? Painfully right. I took it.
4: No questions. (laughs) Every night in the dining room, she'd order champagne, special dishes. (laughs) That'd give you some idea of how she carried on?
1: Yeah, I get the idea.
4: I've seen my share of grifters and bad check artists, but she tops them all. Perfume, clothes, luggage, conversation. Can I ask you a question?
1: I'm humiliated already. Go ahead. She checked in here alone, registered as Mrs. Lorraine Bradley, Beverly Hills, right? That's right. Well, now, didn't it strike you as odd that a woman would check in a place like this, a resort hotel, alone, stay four days and uh, meet no one, see no one?
4: You're wrong. She didn't keep to herself. Became friends with at least half a dozen guests in the place. And the way she was throwing my money around, why not? She picked up all the tabs. She threw me off right from the start. Let's talk about that. Start at the top, please. Well, she showed up last Wednesday night in a cab loaded down with luggage. Probably wrote a bad check for that someplace. Probably.
1: She uh,
4: came swinging into the lobby with the cabby following her and told the night clerk she wanted to see me. When I came down the stairs, she yelled, Harry, ran up, kissed me, asked me how my wife was. <laughs> you beat that. No. One of those tricks that your mind plays on you, I suppose, I, uh, I actually thought I did remember of them somewhat. Pretty good. What was her story? Uh, she said she was on her way back from Lake Tahoe, wanted to rest up. Something about just getting a divorce, being awarded $3,000 a month alimony. That impressed me.
1: It would impress anyone, Mr. Harrington. Did she make up any kind of a story about where she'd met you before? No, no, no story.
4: But I got the impression, and of course she saw to it, that she had stopped here before. I wasn't altogether a boob. I, I did check her home address in Beverly Hills. There was a Robert Bradley listed there, same address she gave Later on, I found out that he's in Europe with his wife and children. But his name was in the book. Oh, yes. Say, getting back to that part about her being familiar. That's just a good trick on her part, Dollar. I did think I'd known her from somewhere, and, well, she also arranged it so that I was too embarrassed to ask her specifically. In all honesty, I, I suppose I wanted to have known her. Can you explain that? She was about the most beautiful thing I ever saw. She walked through that door right now and told me
1: none of this was true. I'd probably believe her. Mm-hmm. Do you have a copy of her hotel account? I'd like to look it over. Why? Oh, well, the phone calls, mostly. Maybe she contacted someone we can trace. Uh, no phone calls. Here.
4: This check was drawn on a bank in Beverly Hills. Was it personalized? No. <laughs> Maybe I should have thought something of that. Huh? No, not particularly. Well, here's this much. I... I... Can't stand to look it over. It makes me kind of sick.
1: $813. I spent another hour with Mr. Harrington as he distastefully covered the items on the bill she'd paid for with that bad check. Later that afternoon I met with Sergeant Martin, Santa Barbara police, who reported that a woman answering Lorraine's description had passed bad checks in Burling Santa Maria, and Ojai, California. Expense account item 14, $102.85. Transportation to Monterey and Santa Cruz, where I interviewed two other hotel managers who had filed complaints. Their stories were pretty much the same as Harrington's, down to the pretended familiarity, the divorce, and alimony details. Item 15, .15. $4.15. Long-distance phone call, steal again in Hartford. That you, Johnny? Yeah, Mr. Steele. I've been hopping around all over the state. A policeman
5: in Santa Barbara called here trying to find you. A Sergeant Martin. He says he's got a line on her. Huh? He's
0: done it again. Up down to Malibu Beach. The man who runs the seaside inn there found out her check was bad fifteen minutes after she left. Now get started. You shouldn't be more than an hour behind
5: her.
1: Mr. Steele, I'm on my way.
6: be another intriguing episode of the Broderick Matter tomorrow. Tomorrow,
1: a long look at what seven years can do to a woman's life. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: Truly, Johnny Dollar, starring... Bob- well, Sam, I'm not going to try to figure your moves because none of it makes and sense I to me. And
7: I am conducting the investigation, you hear me? I do not want news of his death to be released for the present. You've got a reason. I have. A very good one. But well, Do I stay around here? Am I under arrest or what? You may go. Good night, Sam. I'll see you later. Oh, Jordan. Huh? As you forget the news of the death of Jacques Ali Ben-Leclerc, also forget the unrecorded tomb of King Mutak Khan... What? And whatever reason Jacques Ali Ben-Lakirk had for calling you in and speaking to you of Muta Khan is also to be forgotten. How did you know about it? The Egyptian government forbid Lakirk to excavate. What is unrecorded is best left unrecorded. What is uncovered thus far is best buried. Yeah? What if an old man died? Ali Ben-Lakirk and... has been murdered, it is true. It is obvious his servant that disappeared Ranchi Adel is guilty.
2: Oh, you jump at a lot of conclusions. There is
7: one conclusion alone that concerns you. Do not under any circumstances reveal the death of Lecauque. And do not pursue this matter any further. Okay, Sam. From here on out, it's a police affair. Exactly. Good night.
2: Then I had no way of knowing what Sam had in the back of his head or why he wouldn't talk. I guess I was sore when I walked out of there. The old man died because someone didn't want him to dig up a pyramid. Sam Sabai, seemed to go right along with the idea. But trying to forget the picture of an old man with a knife between his ribs, living long enough to tell me about his family and what it meant to have that tomb uncovered was another thing. So I decided to go to the province of Ruba and look up the sheik's son. I threw a few things in a suitcase and went over to the station. I was waiting in line to get a ticket, but a blonde girl saved me the trouble. She had a lot of blue eyes and a lot of white teeth when she talked.
8: I followed you from the Sheikh Ali ben Lakhouk's home... Huh? You were there less than an hour ago. There were others, too. Uh, Police, I believe.
2: Ah, you get around. what did I have for breakfast?
8: Then you went to a cafe tambourine. I learned that you were the owner of the place. Your name is Rocky Jordan.
2: And I'll bet you followed me here to the station.
8: You are buying a ticket to the province of Ruba?
2: That's right. Anything else, lady?
8: Your trip is unnecessary. Yeah? The Bakir, son of Sheikh Ali Ben-Lakir, awaits you at Shepherd's Hotel. Huh? I am Katila, the wife of Bakir. Shall we go...
2: Uh, yeah, let's go. And we went to the Shepherd's Hotel, Suite 609, to be exact. The Sheikh's son, Bakir, turned out to be a streamlined version of his father. He was about six and a half feet tall, big boned, only his hair was black, and he wasn't wearing a burnoose. He was done up in brush clothes. And you could tell whether a sweatband of his pith helmet had stopped the sunburn.
5: Come in, please. Come in. So, this is the fellow, eh?
8: Darling, this is Mr. Jordan. Mr. Jordan, this is my husband, Bakir, son of Ali Ben-Lakirk.
5: Oh, thank you for coming, Jordan. I suppose I have some explaining to do. A drink?
2: Oh, not right now, then.
5: My dear?
8: Mm, no, thank you. Darling, don't you Yes,
5: think... good scotch is a lost cause out in the provinces. And ice is pretty hard to fly in from the mountains. Tila and I came in tonight from Maruba. My father asked us to make the trip. It was a secret trip.
8: We went from the airport to the Sheikh's home. There were police cars there.
2: You didn't go inside?
5: My father has an old saying. Sidestep trouble so you can attack it from the rear.
8: And you were the first to leave the house, so I, I followed
5: to see who you were. By the way, did you ask him if he's a policeman, my dear?
2: I run a cafe over by the mosque Sultan Hassan. I'm not a cop. I sure met a lot of them tonight. You uh, people don't know what's happened yet, huh?
5: What has happened,
2: Jordan? Your father's dead, here. Dead?
5: Oh, no. But he was alive. The doctor said he had a good five years, even ten he left. Didn't if he didn't
2: just die. He was assassinated.
8: Sheikh Ali Ben was assassinated.
2: He called me in tonight. He explained a plan he had to dig up an old buried pyramid.
5: The tomb of Muta Khan told him that it was absolutely ridiculous.
2: Then you know something about it? Of course. He wants that tomb excavated so the family history will be complete.
8: But how was he slain?
2: Stabbed. He sat there and told me all this with a knife sticking in him. I didn't see it until he pulled back his robes. Who would do such a thing? Is he, darling? He said he'd been threatened ever since he made plans to excavate Mutakan. The police are looking for a servant, the Renshi Adel. I don't see how he could have done it. This
5: message about... Mutakhan, exploring it. That's what my father asked you to tell me? That's it? He died for that. He died just for that.
8: Darling, please.
5: It's a rotten way to die. It's a rotten thing to die for. Oh, if you only knew, Jordan, if you
2: only knew. He thought a great deal of it. And when you dig it up, but maybe... But here
8: you... we'll never excavate the
5: tomb of King Mutakhan.
2: What? That's right, Jordan. Never.
5: But your father ordered... Good night, Jordan. Thanks for your help. Now,
2: listen to me. If you could have seen him staying alive just long
5: enough to tell me... (coughs) Enough. I've heard enough about Mutakan. Get out of here, Jordan. You've delivered your message. Now get out.
2: Everybody had something against old King Mutakan. For a guy who lived three or 4,000 years ago, he wasn't very popular. After hearing the sheik's son talk the way he did, I quit trying to figure out any of it. There was something that had to be told, but it didn't look like I was going to hear it. That is, until I'd uh, been home a couple of hours and had a couple of drinks. That's when Katila sat on the stool next to me. Hello. Order up. It's about closing time.
8: I didn't come in
2: for a drink. That's all we got here. Drinks. No answers, no nothing else.
8: I know what you're thinking, Mr. Jordan, but it's not the way it looks. Leave me.
2: Oh, it isn't? All right, then. How is it?
8: Buck here isn't denying what his father wanted, What? What his father died for.
2: The sheik says, "Uncover that tomb." It means a lot to me to have a complete history of my family. Bakir says, "I won't do it." The sheik's dead. Bakir's alive. Yeah, well, I did what he asked me to do.
8: You think Bakir should undertake the excavation of Mutah Khan, don't you?
2: What do you think, lady?
8: I think you're an American sentimentalist, and I think you're in the wrong land to practice sentiment of this sort.
2: Look, I saw him die. But
8: you're to be admired, Mr. Jordan, because I'd feel the same way, and so would Bakir if we didn't know what we do.
2: Can you make it right?
8: Listen to me. There's one thing you don't know.
2: (laughs) A lot of things I don't know.
8: Ben Leclerc lived in a world removed. Every action in his life was prompted by his own father and the proud record of the desert tribes of his family.
2: And he liked that record. He wanted to get it all.
8: That's just it, Mr. Jordan. And that's why I'm here. Here, look at this hieroglyphic. The single picture of a man with his head set on his shoulders, looking backward.
2: Yeah, so what?
8: It is from the tomb of King Muta Khan. all right, don't you see, Mr. Jordan? Everyone but the Sheikh knew of this, knew what will be found if the tomb is ever excavated. What do you mean, King Muta Khan, the illustrious founder of the tribe, king of the deserts, and protector of the weak, lived and died a coward. <laughs>
0: listening to The Coward of Mutak Khan, today's adventure with Rocky Jordan. Have you ever been out on a stroll Sunday evening at 8.30? Well, we suggest you spend that half hour beside your radio. But if you should be outside enjoying the night air promptly at 8.30, you will hear a familiar sound. It's the whistler calling you to excitement, to suspense, and another strange story about people who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, most of the homes you pass on your evening stroll will be listening to The Whistler. And if you want to spend a thrilling half hour with a fine story, you'll be in your living room, too, listening to tonight's story called The Hermit, The Whistler's Strange Tale, tonight on CBS. Now we return you to Cairo and today's adventure with Rocky Jordan. The Coward of Mutakan.
2: Well, when Katila came in my place and told me why nobody wanted that tomb dug up, it all began to make sense. Sam knew what they'd find. The Egyptian government, who thought a lot of the old man, wouldn't grant a permit. Bakir and Katila, everybody but the old man, seemed to know the story. Yes, somebody killed him to stop him from finding out. That part didn't make sense... until Sam Sabaya walked in the next morning.
7: Jordan, I wish to talk with you. Okay, Sam. I've just left Bakir. You informed him of his father's death. That's right. Against my orders. I had a job, Sam. The old man asked me to talk with him. You know the reasons why Mutakhan will not be excavated. Yeah, I know. But it doesn't seem worth murder. But... uh, Jordan, let us consider each other for a moment... We are both prone to temper. I've come to apologize for my curtness last night. Ah, uh, you don't have to, Sam. You were doing what you thought best. It is more than that. I must find Rinchi Abel. You still think he killed the old man? I'm certain of it, Jordan. Well, I'm not. Ali Ben Kirk was destined to die very soon cancer. But he had every intention of living long enough to unearth the mummy of And yeah,
2: They tell me when he made up his mind about something, he was pretty sure of getting something done.
7: Exactly. The servant Rinchi Abel realized this, and he also realized that it would grieve his master into an unhappy death if he were to discover the truth of Mutakan. Are you trying to tell me that Rinchi stuck the knife in the sheikh, then came and got me? Exactly. Ali Ben Lakirk was destined to die. Rinchi Abel reasoned he would die happily without the disgraceful news of Mutakan. So he waylaid his master. Oh, that's crazy. It is hard for you, a Westerner, to understand this matter of destiny, but I believe it is so. I believe that Rinchi slew his master to prevent him from knowing the disgrace of King Mutak Khan.
2: And I'd like to hear Rinchi's version.
7: The chances are you never will. Nor will anyone, Jordan. Rinchi Abel, in all probability, has destroyed himself by now. Is that the will of Allah? It is a way of life that you would not understand. As soon as we find the body of Rinchi Abel, Cairo will know of the death of Sheikh Ali Ben Lekirk. All right, Sam, but I still don't understand it. I didn't expect you would. Good day, Jordan.
2: All that day, I sat and thought about what Sam had told me, the reasoning behind Lekirk's death. There was too much left over and too much left unsaid to make it gel. But there wasn't anything I could do. At least I thought there wasn't anything I could do until I heard a knock on my office door. For the second time in two days, there was a Moslem in the tambourine, and he still wasn't looking for a drink. Yeah?
3: It is I, Effendi.
2: Rinchi, get in here.
3: Please, Effendi, listen to me.
2: I am a wanted man. You bet your curled-up booties you're a wanted man. Oh,
3: mercy, Effendi. Listen, Buster,
2: they're looking everywhere in Cairo for you, and they're going to keep right on looking until they find you. And you better have a pretty good story to tell, because I don't think they're going to listen to any B plots. A
3: moment, a moment. You, Effendi, were the last to speak with my master before he died.
2: You knew he had a knife in him when you took me there? Of
3: course. It was I who ministered to him the night before when he was attacked.
2: You mean he lived 24 hours with a knife in his chest? As allies,
3: my judge. I found him lying on a street near his home. I carried him there and bathed his wound.
2: Why didn't you call a doctor?
3: I wanted to call a physician, but he wouldn't allow me. And to extract the knife would have meant instant death. My master was a strong man, and he lived a strong life. He had many small details he wanted to complete before the end. And you helped him? I did as I was commanded.
2: Did that include getting hold of me?
3: Yes. His last command was when when he dismissed me in your presence.
2: The police think you did it.
3: But why a humble servant like myself?
2: Because you knew about Muta Khan and
3: didn't want him to find out? No. No, I knew of the coward, but I did not slay my master. Hear me, Effendi. I did not do it.
2: All right. Supposing you tell me who did kill him?
3: If I knew, I would avenge his death.
2: You're still number one.
3: For myself, I do not care. My life ended when my master died.
2: How did you know about
6: Muta Khan?
1: Would anyone want to kill me, Mr. Clover?
6: I don't know. Maybe because you're all that's left of Jimmy.
1: If they want to kill me, why did they tell me to get protection? It doesn't seem logical, does it?
6: Maybe it's not. Shh.
1: I hear someone, Mr. Clover. Don't move. Mr. Clover? heading for the fire escape at the back, Mr. Clover. I can tell by the sound.
6: You'll have to come with me, Virginia. I can't leave you here.
8: Just hold my hand.
6: There he is. Down at the bottom of the fire escape.
1: He got away, didn't he, Mr. Clover? In a car. He got away.
6: Yes, Virginia, he got away.
1: Give me your hand, Mr. Clover. Suddenly it's darker than it's ever been.
4: listening to Broadway's My Beat, written by Morton Fine and David Friedkin, and starring Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. CBS invites you to hear Senator Brian McMahon on the Capitol Cloakroom over most of these same CBS stations later tonight. Senator McMahon is chairman of the Joint Congressional Committee on Atomic Energy, and when he is interviewed tonight by CBS newsmen Eric Severide, Bill Shadell, and Griffin Bancroft, This will be the first detailed discussion of the hydrogen bomb and its implications by a high government official since President Truman's historic announcement earlier this week. That's CBS Capitol Cloakroom, later tonight.
6: There's this about Broadway. It has a bag full of free illusions in every color, every size. Guaranteed against fading, warranted against shrinkage.
2: Ali many Kirk had been right about one thing? The high winds did blow there all year round. But it hadn't bothered the guy who had had a bulldozer and tunneled under the sand and built a concrete passageway right down to the entrance of the tomb. I didn't know who he was, but he left his horse tied up right by the entrance. Anyway, you are. I have a gun. Oh, easy, Sam. Easy.
7: It's me, Rocky. Jordan, what are you doing here? Same thing you are. Looking for some answers. I told you, Jordan, this is a police affair, and I will not be interfered with. Yeah, sure. Only it looks more like an espionage job. Something for the army boys to handle. Yeah, uh, all right. You are here. Come on. Yeah, well, I'm uh, glad I found you here, Sam. Makes your double talk back in Cairo look straighter. Jordan, ever since the war, the Egyptian government has been anxious to discover the cache where Rommel's army hoped to resupply themselves and enter Cairo. And this is it, huh? Tomb of old Muta Khan. Exactly. This is the main chamber where the mummy would have been. Mm, some mummies. Offhand, about uh, 200,000 rounds of ammunition, machine guns. Fuel oil, preserved foods. Everything a fast-moving army cannot carry but could pick up and use. Yeah, Right on top, nothing but a load of sand. The entrance you came by can be sealed easily and camouflaged. We have been watching it since the war. You mean some of Rommel's men might still be around? Yes.
8: Some of Rommel's men are still around. Ah, I shoot very well. Mr. Jordan can confirm that.
2: Oh, yeah, that's right, Sam. She plugged Rinchy Abel back at the tambourine.
8: Now that both of you know that Bakir and myself were the agents for Rommel, I hope you will die happily and
7: quietly. Bakir? is an Egyptian of noble birth. Yes,
5: Captain Sabaya. I am an Egyptian. Bakir, son of Sheikh Ali Ben-Lakirk, province of Ruba. <laughs> Departed from Muslim practice out of necessity.
7: A most unworthy
5: son of a most illustrious father. <clears throat> you look disappointed, Captain Sabaya. Haven't you ever heard of a traitor before? Don't tell me you don't know anything about cowards. Stop it, Bakir. This will accomplish nothing. It's all right, I know what I'm doing. Maybe you have something to say, Jordan. You're always so full of talk.
7: Want me to beg for my life? I'd like that, too. Bakir, do you know what you have done? Let's get
5: rid of these two, Bakir. The noble Sabaya has asked me a question, my dear. He wonders if I know what I've done. I tell you... Shut up. I've sold out, Sabaya. I sold out years ago. I sold out my country. When the Germans sent an agent out looking for a place to hide arms and ammunition, they came to the right man. They came to me. Yes, sir, it was little Ketila here who clinched the deal. It all happened when I was in school in England. So, I came up with a wife. Why? Why did you do it? Why did I do it? Egypt has been good to you and your family. Why? Why? Because it has given me a wife. Beautiful, isn't she? Yes. I see now. You see what?
7: Tell me what you see before I kill you. Your real name. What is it? Mutak Khan. Pig. Vile pig. You killed your own father.
8: What? Stand back, Balkia. I've had enough of this. I killed As
7: my... surely as if you had assassinated him with your own hand. Rinchi Abel did that so he'd never find out it. At...
8: He was going to excavate and we would have been discovered. I, I killed him. You continue. No, you fool. Like, let go. Let <gunshot> go! I... Poor stupid fool. You'll never get away. How?
2: Give me the gun. Here. Yeah. Ready?
5: This was a good place for me. For him to. Yes, this was a fitting place for both of us. Two cowards. The first and the last. History repeats itself, Captain. Freeze?
6: You're a match, Taylor?
8: Yeah. Right in there. What the old battle axe that runs his flat don't know won't hurt her. Anyway, it's cuddlier with the door closed, huh, man? Such a nasty draft in that hallway.
6: Madge, I'm Danny Clover the police.
8: Huh? Let's have a drink on it, shall we, Danny?
6: They told me you visited a man in the hospital, a man named Jimmy Hunt. Friend of yours? (laughs) It's funny what I said.
8: It kills me. I thought you were... Uh... All you want to know is, did I murder Jimmy Hunt? Isn't that it?
6: Why did you visit him? I'll tell you why.
8: You see me, how I am? Charge it up to Jimmy Hunt. Send him the bill.
6: You were in love with Jimmy Hunt?
8: The lieutenant? The wonder boy with the loose marbles? Are you kidding? I never saw him in my life till I found out he was brain sick in that hospital. I don't... I'll draw you a diagram. I was in love once with a kid, a soldier kid, my husband. Lieutenant Jimmy Hunt killed him. Killed me, too, at the same time. Because the lieutenant thought it was dandy. Kids should be killed. This the lieutenant liked. You still want to know why?